Welcome to the Sterling Foursquare Church Podcast. Our mission is to offer hope for the broken, lives that are thriving, the equipping of believers, and the launching of leaders. More info can be found at sterlingfoursquare.com. Thank you for joining us today. You might be surprised to see me up here. I'm just as surprised because I was not planning on being the one up here this morning, but it really is um, my joy to get to share with you. I feel like the Lord's dropped some things in my heart that I'm excited to um, share. Um, The Word says to be prepared in season and out of season, so man, I'm ready. I'm prepared. You might be wondering about Pastor Ben and how he's doing. Uh, Be curious and update. And so he has a letter he wanted me to share with you this morning that I'm going to go ahead and read as we get started. He says, good morning, church family. As most of you are aware, I suffered a significant injury a few weeks ago, running up the back steps of my deck. My foot planted wrong and gave way. And in the fall, I ruptured my Achilles tendon. From the very first moment of impact, I was moved to contend for a miraculous healing. Being in a series titled God of Miracles and having celebrated so many of them in our church family already, it seemed almost like a divine script that this would be one as well. In the last several weeks, we have contended for a miracle. Every night, my children, my family have laid hands on me and prayed for healing. I have been prayed for at the prayer station. Our staff and leaders have laid hands on me. Several of you have visited and prayed with me in the church, in my office, in my home. Many of you have been praying without ceasing in your own places. In that time, I have seen and felt Jesus' hands of healing. I've sensed movement in the tendon. I've visibly seen the swelling in the foot instantly disappear. I've had comfort and strength regained in the Achilles, but not a full recovery. And in my dialogue with God, I knew that anything short of walking and leaping meant that he was going to walk me through the surgery instead. And in the last moments before surgery, I was still testing my leg, moving and feeling for healing and wholeness. And although there was some, there was not all. So on Friday, I had surgery to repair my Achilles. Everything has gone well, and I am beginning my recovery process. With resolute conviction and unwavering confidence, I believe Jesus does heal and that Jesus will heal. I have seen it and experienced it for myself so many times, but there are also times we face that include our fervent prayers being answered in other ways than asked. And I assure you, this does not suggest that Jesus cannot and will not. He hears and he answers and he is good. And there is certainly a degree of faith required to pray and contend for the miraculous. But I would argue it requires a greater faith to hold fast when things remain difficult. So my encouragement to you would be to hold fast in faith. Continue to contend for the miraculous for me and for others. He promises to work all things for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose, and he will do so in this. If you are inclined to continue to pray, he would ask that you would pray in this way. Please pray for quickened healing and against infection. Please pray for grace within our home. Amen to that. Pray that the Lord would move in the life of the doctor and nurses who attended me, specifically Dr. Anna Brown. She was an amazing surgeon. Um, Ashton, the RN who helped him. Diego, the nursing student, just an amazing team at the uh, med center. And he says, be faith-filled, fully confident, heaven on earth followers of Jesus, that it would be in northeastern Colorado as it is in heaven. Amen? 
Amen. So we are doing well in the Hackbarth homestead. Um, Ben is not here today because he did have surgery, and so I'm here in his place. So I am excited to share with you this morning. And as we dive into our message, we're starting a new sermon series today called He Came for All. Um, I was sitting on Friday um, in the waiting room while Ben was getting surgery, they, um, I went in with them initially and then they sent me to go wait around 12.30 um, p.m. on Friday. I was sitting in there, I was doing what I do best. I had my laptop and I was writing emails, you know, cause why not? I had like hours to spare. So I had my nose down and I was working and there was another man in the waiting room kind of sitting a ways off, but I don't know if you guys have been in that surgery waiting room at the med center before. There was a man sitting there and he was kind of like, um, like an older gruff like cowboy guy he had on cowboy boots and um, he had a big white mustache and um, he was kind of keeping his nose down too just like waiting and so we were in the waiting room together for like hours not talking at all not one time (laughs) but just kind of like present there both having our heads kind of in our own spaces Um, but there's a like a a single-use bathroom right there in the waiting area I don't know if you've seen it but it's one where you can just kind of like open it and it's a single stall so as we were there over a few hours different people were going in and out using the restroom you know it was just kind of part of life but at one time um, this older gentleman um, very slowly kind of like walked up to the bathroom door and instead of just like walking in as most people did he like stopped and he like knocked on the bathroom door and he goes hello (laughs) and I'm like sitting there like nobody's in there you can go in and then he goes he opens it slowly and he goes anybody home and I don't know if it's just because I had been sitting there for two hours but the whole thing was just like this it was funny it was funny and I'm watching this guy who's sitting there with me and you can tell like he's pretty amused too and so the guy had said anybody home and then over here this guy in the waiting room he goes he answers the guy without him hearing he goes John. Anybody? <laughs> Thank you. I didn't get it at first either, so I'm going to explain. <laughs> John is like what you call a toilet. So <laughs> it was just funny, you guys. So maybe you had to be there. But it was just this really funny interaction of like silence for hours and this, this funny guy. And so it just warmed us up to each other. We like broke the ice after two hours. And so we start talking and he says, um, are you all ready for Christmas? And in my mind, I was like, bro, yeah, I'm, <laughs> no, I'm not. Re- I'm like, as a planner, I'm like, all of my red Christmas bins are still in the attic storage, tucked away with dust on them. We don't have a tree. We're probably not going to have Christmas lights this year. I haven't bought any presents. No, I'm not ready for Christmas. I'm like, well, maybe in my heart I'm ready for Christmas. I'm excited about Christmas, but no, I'm not ready. So I actually shared with him about my husband's Ben surgery, and we we talked a little bit. Um, but as I was thinking about that question, are are you ready for Christmas? I was thinking all of us have different ways of getting ready for Christmas. We all have different ways of preparing, different speeds at which we prepare. I think it was the day right after Halloween on November 1st that I was scrolling through Facebook and a friend of mine, Stevie, posted the day after Halloween, Merry Christmas! (laughs) Like, it's fair game! And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. (laughs) Let's get through Thanksgiving first. But maybe, maybe you're one of those who's like, Halloween's over, it's Christmas. Maybe you're somebody who's like, Thanksgiving needs to pass first. Like once you remove the turkey from the table, the Christmas tree can come into the living room. Maybe that's the type of planner you are. Typically that's uh, who I am. 
Or maybe you're like a last minute, like Christmas Eve, Home Depot, you're picking up like the dry Charlie Brown Christmas tree because it's like a deep discount and you're like, that's how I roll. And you're at the gas station picking out your finest gifts because Christmas is tomorrow. Like, I don't know what type of a planner or a preparer you are, but we, there's all different types and we all prepare for Christmas in different ways. And so... Um, We are now entering into what's called the Advent season, where I would say it is now fair game to say Merry Christmas. And the Advent season, I don't know if you um, have this as a part of your church background or of your traditions, but the Advent traditionally is four Sundays before Easter. Um, And Advent is actually as early as you can get this year because Christmas is on a Sunday, and so it's the four Sundays prior to Christmas. So it actually started last Sunday, November 27th, and it's going to run through Sunday, December 18th. And traditionally, there's a theme of every Advent Sunday. The first Sunday is usually hope, and then the second Sunday is peace, and then joy, and then the last Sunday is love. And the word Advent comes from the Latin word Adventus, which means coming or arrival, coming or an arrival. And so Advent is a season of looking and longing, of anticipation and expectation, of preparing our hearts and our homes for the coming of the King. The season of Advent is designed to cultivate our awareness on part on, uh, about God's actions throughout history, his actions in the past, his actions in the present, and his actions in the future. And not only um, are we preparing our anticipation for the arrival of the newborn king at Christmas, but Advent also has built into it this idea of anticipating and looking forward to the second coming of Christ in glory and in victory at the end. And so we see the Advent expressed in two key parts. Part one, we can read in John 1:14, where it says, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Or the the message paraphrase says it like this, the word, who's Jesus, became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. I love the way it says that. So the part one of the Advent, part one of our anticipation, has to do with where God entered into human history through the incarnation of his son, Jesus. It was a demarcation point that changed human history forever, a pivot point, this fulcrum moment that changed the course of the world as we know it. That's part one of Advent, what we look forward to at Christmas time with the arrival of baby Jesus. But also there's part two of anticipation, which is the end of the story. And we read about this in Revelation 21, three through four, where it says, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them and be their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. And that is something that we have to look forward to and to anticipate. And so in this way, the Advent highlights for us this expansive story of God's redemptive plan throughout all of human history from the coming of the newborn king at Christmas time to rescue and to save us from sins to the second coming of the conquering king who will set all creation in proper working order again. And so there's this tension in the Advent season. There's this deliberate tension where we look forward to the arrival of the Savior, but we also look forward 
to the return of our King. Amen? So I want you to keep that in mind as we prepare this Christmas season. And as today, as we start at Sterling Foursquare, our official Advent season, as we start our new sermon series, He Came for All, Each week of the series, we're going to be looking at a portion of the Christmas story that's going to highlight the scope of what Jesus came to do when he came. And it's all going to be leading up to Christmas Eve on Saturday, December 24th, where we're going to celebrate our two Christmas Eve candlelight services, one of my favorite services of the year. So as we begin this morning, we're going to look at one of the most simple yet deeply profound Christmas passages in all of Scripture. It's one of my favorite Christmas passages. And you might have different passages that come to mind when you think of your favorite Christmas passage. You know, there's the, the stories um, of the angelic visits to Mary and to Joseph. We see those in Matthew 1 and Luke 1. You might be thinking of the wise men who came from the east with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Um, You might be thinking of the shepherds in the field, you know, keeping watch over their flocks by night, and lo, an angel of the Lord appeared, and the heavenly host sang, and it was this big celebration. Um, You might think of some of the Old Testament passages, like in Isaiah 7 or in Isaiah 9, where it talks about, you know, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, that were foretelling of the arrival of the Savior. They're all amazing Christmas passages. But today we're going to start our series with a Christmas passage that's found in John, the book of John, chapter 3. And as we do that, I want to encourage you to um, get your Bibles out, if you would, um, or if you have your phone with a um, Bible app on it, go ahead and get that out, and we're just going to pray as we dive into our message this morning. Lord Jesus, we love you, and we are so grateful for who you are, that you are Emmanuel, God with us that you came to dwell and that you are here present and available to meet each and every need in our lives, Lord God. And as we dive into your word today, Lord, I just pray that you would speak, Lord, that our eyes would be opened and our ears would be attentive to what you're saying, Lord, and that you would be the loudest voice in the room today, that you would speak clearly, cut through the noise, cut through the hearts, that what we hear today would not just be information, but that it would be um, transformation of the heart. Come and move, come and work, come and have your way. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen. So as we turn to John um, chapter 3 today, this is, um, John chapter 3 is the narrative in scripture where Jesus has a late night conversation with a Pharisee by the name of Nicodemus. And Jesus is talking to him, and and Nicodemus is asking him questions. Nicodemus is trying to figure out who Jesus is and why he's there. He's he's got all these questions. And Jesus tells him, if if you want to enter the kingdom of God, Nicodemus, you must be born again. And now we know the idea of born again, and so we're like, yeah, because we're like churchy people, and so we understand what that means. Nicodemus is like, what? are you talking about? Born again? I would have to re-enter my mother's womb? He's like totally flabbergasted. And so Jesus goes into an explanation of what he's talking about. And we find that his answer, as Jesus is answering Nicodemus, we find that part of his answer is found in verses 16 and 17 of John 3. And it says this, John 3, 16 and 17. Jesus says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son 
that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So have you guys heard this scripture before? Anybody? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think I memorized it when I was in kindergarten. They made me at, at the Christian school I went to. <laughs> so it's like in here, right? Um, and it's like this iconic scripture um, that really is one of the most profound uh, passages in all of scripture, which is why they have young people memorize it because it's important and profound. But not only is it one of the most profound scriptures um, in all of the Bible, but it really is one of the most profound Christmas scriptures. And it's a pivotal scripture that as we start our new series today, he came for all that is so important for us to dive into as we set the framework for what we're going to be looking at over the next few weeks. As we go through this text this morning, I want to invite you to lean in. Um, don't close off. You might be like, I've heard this a million times. Like, I get it. But I would just invite you to um, come with me on this journey as we look through very carefully through this passage of John 3:16 and 17 about what some of the words mean and what Jesus was saying and what it means for us in this Christmas season. So the passage begins with the words, For God so loved. For God so loved. And this word loved is the Greek word agapao. Agapao. And it means to welcome, to be fond of, to be well pleased with, to love dearly. For God so loved, for God so welcomed, for God was so fond of, for God was so well pleased with, for God um, loved dearly the world. For God so loved the world. And this word world is the word cosmos in Greek. And it's just like it sounds, the cosmos. It not only means the world, but the universe, the inhabitants of earth, all of humankind. And actually in the concordance, it says that this, this word is even used in scripture to include the ungodly multitude, the whole mass of humankind that were alienated from God and therefore hostile to Christ. For God so loved even them, the world, everyone, those who were maybe inclined to, to believe in him and those were, who were hostile to him. For God so loved the world that he gave. And this word gave is the Greek word didome. It means to bestow a gift, to supply or furnish the necessary things, to reach out, to extend, to present, to give forth from oneself to someone who is in need. For God so loved the world that he gave of himself all that he was, all that he had in order to extend himself to people who were in need, that he gave his one and only son his one and only son. And this word son is a really interesting word. It's the word weos in Greek, and it's actually used um, all throughout the New Testament, 382 times. It's used of Jesus. It's used of us as the sons and daughters of God. It's used all throughout scripture. But specifically here, I want to highlight why this is an important word about Jesus. So it's the word weos, and it's the same word that's used in Matthew 121, that when the angel came to Joseph and was telling Joseph about what was going to happen to Mary, the angel said, she will give birth to a son, Weos, and you are to give him the name Jesus, which means the Lord saves, because he will save his people from their sins. 
It's also used in Matthew 3.17 at Jesus' baptism. It's the word that God the Father speaks over Jesus. And it says, And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, Weos, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. In Matthew 4.3, it's the same word that the devil uses to challenge Jesus' identity. It says, The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son, the Weos of God, tell these stones to become bread. And it's often used of Jesus himself when he's telling the world who he is, and he calls himself over and over again the Son of Man, the Weos of Man. So what does all of this mean? Because we know that he was the son of Mary, he was the son of Father God, the devil used it to challenge his identity, Jesus uses it of himself. It's a key word because all of these come together to paint this beautiful picture of who Jesus is. That Jesus is God's son, his one and only son. That Jesus was supernaturally born of the Virgin Mary through the power of the Holy Spirit. That he is fully God and he's fully man. He's given as a gift from God because of God's great love. And his name is Jesus, which means the Lord saves because he will save the whole world, the cosmos, from their sins. This is who Jesus is and this is why he came. We're told in Romans 5.8, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is why he came. In Romans 3.23, it says, for all, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so with this in mind, this is actually how we know that he came for all. Because we know that he came to save the world from sin and that we're all sinners. So he came for all of us. He came to save all of the world from sin and we are all sinners. And so he came for all because we all need a savior, each and every one of us. In John 4.10, it says, This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And this word atoning means to pay for and to wash away that which we could never cleanse on our own. God sent his son to come and to wash away and to cleanse that which we could never cleanse on our own because God loved us so much. In the message paraphrase that same verse, it says it like this, he loved us and he sent his son as a sacrifice to clear away our sins and the damage that they've done to our relationship with God. In 1 John 2, 2, it says he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the what? The whole world. He came for all. He came for all. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And then it continues, and this is really, really key, that whoever, what? Believes in him. This is crucial in this verse because we, a lot of us, it depends on like the upbringing that we've had. Sometimes we lean really heavy into the idea that God is love and he is, he is love in all that he is, but God is also just. 
And so maybe you lean really heavy into the God is love and you struggle with the God is just part, or maybe you struggle with God is love and you're like, yeah, God is all about, you know, vengeance and all of the things. But God is both. God is love and God is just. And there's like a, there's a paradox here and there's a tension. And sometimes people leave, lean so heavily into God's amazing love that they start to fall into this idea called universalism. And universalism is essentially this idea that all roads lead to Jesus. That because he is loving, that his incredible sacrifice in sending his son to come to the earth and take on flesh and die on the cross, that it just automatically covers everyone, whether they acknowledge him or not. But this is why this is so key in John 3.16, is because we must believe in Jesus. That's the pivot point. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes. And this word believe is the word in Greek, pistuo. And this is what it means to believe. It means to be persuaded of, to place your confidence in, to be committed unto, to commit one's trust, to have faith in, that whoever commits their life to Jesus, whoever is persuaded that Jesus is the way to God, whoever places their trust and confidence and faith in him, this is what it means. This is what it means. In Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, we're told that, we're not saved, that we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus and not by our own works. So we don't have to uh, work for our salvation. It's a free gift and it's offered to all and it's paid for by Christ's death. But to receive it, we must believe. That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Eternal life. When we put our belief in Jesus, instead of facing destruction and death, instead we can have true eternal life. That is what's on offer to us. And this word for life is one of the most amazing words in all of scripture, and it's the word zoe, Z-O-E, zoe. And we see it in John 10.10, 10, and it's actually one of our theme verses as a church, John 10.10, 10, it says the thief, comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I, Jesus says, I have come that they may have life, Zoe, and have it to the full, real and eternal life, more and better life than they could ever dream of. This is what is on offer to us because of what Jesus did. In John 10, 28, it says, I give them eternal life, Zoe. They shall never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. When we believe in Jesus, we are secure in him. John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, Zoe. No one comes to the Father except through me. So it's only through Jesus. It's only through Jesus that when we believe in him, when we place our faith in him, that we have access to turn from the eternal um, death that we have before that and turn to the eternal life that's on offer to us. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Another way of saying it is this, um, in the message paraphrase, it's so beautiful. It says, this is how much God loved the world. He gave his son, his one and only son, and this is why, so that no one need be destroyed by believing in him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. Whole and lasting life. 
Verse 17 says, God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was. He came to help. He came to put the world right again. So this morning as we reflect on this Christmas passage of John 3, 16 and 17, um, I think we can see just this very simple and beautiful profound message of what Jesus came to do. That he came to set the world right again, to offer us hope and wholeness and life that we could never access on our own. And he came for all. He came for all people. He came in all places and in all circumstances. He has life available for people all people, all places, and all circumstances. And as we, we look at this series more over the next few weeks, we're going to look more specifically at some of those people and places and circumstances about what Emmanuel, God with us, came to do. But Emmanuel just simply means that God came to be present and live among us. We sang about that this morning, to come and dwell with us. And here's the truth. Because he came for all, the large scope of all of humanity. He also came for you, specifically and individually in this moment, with whatever your need is today. And he's right here, right now, present as Emmanuel to meet every need of your heart and your life. Um, and that's really what this Advent season is about. It's about looking and longing, anticipation, expectation, and preparation of our hearts and our homes for the coming king. And one of the ways that we can do that this Christmas season is with a really simple prayer, and it's simply this, come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. And the early church prayed um, a one-word prayer, and it was in Aramaic, which was the common language of their time, and it was this. It was the word Maranatha. Maranatha. And Maranatha really does just simply mean, come, Lord Jesus. And there's kind of different ways that it was expressed um, in the early church. Sometimes they would use it as like an exclamation, as a celebration, meaning our Lord has come. Um, sometimes it was used in the future tense in anticipation, like our Lord will come. And so they would speak it in faith. But more often than not, it was just spoken as a prayer, as our Lord, come, our Lord, come. And that would be um, my prayer for us this morning as, and as we enter into our Christmas season, that our prayer would simply be, come, Lord Jesus, come into our lives, into our circumstances, into our situations. Come and be present. Come and do what only you can do. Come and move in our lives. Come and be the greatest gift um, that's truly what we need today. And so I would invite the worship team to come up. And you guys can stay seated this morning, congregation. Um, as we've all been preparing for Christmas in a lot of different ways, um, you know, you might be the November 1st Merry Christmas person. I see you. Um, <laughs> you might be the day after Thanksgiving. You might be the, hey, I'm going to wait till Christmas Eve. I don't know how you prepare uh, practically for Christmas. Um, there's a lot of things that we do to prepare. You know, we do our shopping, we put our decorations up, um, we hang lights. Those are all awesome things. And I'm so 
pumped to see the Christmas decorations here um, in our church building this morning. It's beautiful. It sets the tone for the season. But I think we would be remiss if we did not prepare our hearts as well. If we did not prepare our hearts as well. So instead, I would encourage you, instead of just preparing practically and going through the motions of the Christmas season, I would encourage you to do as the song, the old Christmas carol says, to prepare him room in your hearts today. To prepare him room. Let every heart prepare him room. And for our prayer this Christmas season to be Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. Not only come into this world this Christmas season as we're in this Advent, but come into our lives, come into our hearts, Come, Lord Jesus, into my need. Come into my circumstances. Come into every part of me. Come and save. Come and heal. Come and restore. Come and redeem. Come and reconcile the relationships that are broken. Come and make whole that which is broken. Come and cleanse that which has been marred and damaged. Come and breathe your life into the places that are dead. Come and shine your light into the darkest places of my heart and life. Come, Lord Jesus, come, Lord Jesus. Not only is this an important prayer for all of us this Christmas season, but maybe um, you've never actually welcomed Jesus into your heart and life before. Just as Jesus entered into human history at that pivot point, at that fulcrum moment that literally changed the course of the world as we know it, maybe you've never had your own demarcation line in your life where you've invited Jesus in to forever change the trajectory of your life and your story. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. You must believe. You must believe in Jesus. Romans 10.9 says, If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so I want to give you an opportunity today to draw your own demarcation line by simply saying, Jesus, I believe and I invite you in today prepare you room in my heart so as I pray I want to invite you to pray with me um, and I would just ask that everyone here out of just support and kindness and love that you would pray with me whether this is your first time praying or not um, but if this is your first time praying this that this would be your come Lord Jesus moment that forever changes the course of your life so would you bow your heads with me and let's pray together as I pray just repeat back Dear Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner. And I am in need of your grace. Thank you for coming to this earth. And for taking my sin upon yourself on the cross. I receive your free gift and your forgiveness. From this moment, I commit to follow after you with all I am. You are my savior, 
and you are my Lord. I give you your rightful place. King Jesus on the throne of my heart. All that I am and all that I have is yours. Amen. Amen. Let's just continue on in prayer this morning. Lord Jesus, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are Emmanuel, God with us. That you are good and that you are faithful and that you are present in every season. And that you are the God who gives life and gives it to the full, Lord Jesus. And so, Jesus, and so in this season, Lord, as we enter into this Advent season of looking and longing and anticipating, our heart and our prayer is simply come, Lord Jesus. Come into our situation come into our lives lord we prepare you room to come and affect every part of us god the places that have been darkened the places that need the breath of your holy spirit to blow lord god the places that need your light to shine lord god the places that need your reconciliation and your wholeness and your healing come lord jesus come and move come and do what only you can do in our lives today and in this christmas season in jesus name and everybody said amen let's stand together today let's stand as we enter into this christmas season there's just some really simple action steps that i want to recommend to you i'd encourage you to find some ways beyond all the hustle and bustle to prepare him room in your heart and some ideas for this are one i would love if you would read through some passages from the christmas story this season there's so many good ones spend some time in the word every day Number two, begin a Bible app, Christmas devotional plan. There's tons of them on version. Dive in and do a devotional. And three, share the Christmas story of John 3.16 with someone who needs to hear this season.